great to be with you today. Um, obviously, this is a little different. Usually, I'm used to speaking to a pretty much full room uh, here on the Canandaigua campus. Now we're online. And uh, I want to take a moment before we jump into the message just to pray for you. Um, we're in this time of, of social distancing and in some ways isolation, although if you drive by some of the uh, supermarkets, you'll realize that uh, not much isolation happening in there. Um, I, I want to pray for you who are at home. Uh, I want to pray for our, our mission partners who all over the world, many of them will, will watch this service. And I want to let you know our prayers are with you too in your unique situation in the country where you find yourself this morning. Some of you have asked, you know, how can you pray for us as a pastoral team, as a staff? Uh, and I just want to throw a couple of things out there. First of all, um, our mission hasn't changed. As, as Brian said, we're still to know God and make him known, but our strategy needs to change. And so we're learning what does it mean to offer pastoral care and spiritual leadership in a time of social distancing. And to be really honest with you, it takes more time than if we could just meet with somebody. And so we would appreciate your prayer. We're working from home, um, but we are working and, and we are desiring that God would use this uh, in a mighty way. Uh, I find that disruptions, God often brings opportunities. And, and we're seeing that true, not just as a staff, but but as we hear stories about the Crosswinds family. Secondly, for me personally, uh, I've heard the joke that if you're an introvert, this is sort of your dream, this isolation, not the virus, but the isolation. Well, if that's true, then being an extrovert, trust me, it's the exact opposite. It's not a dream for me, and uh, I miss the social interaction. And so uh, please, let's pray for one another in this, in this very unique time. These are uncommon times, and yet God is doing something amazing in the midst of it. So let's take a moment before we jump into the message this morning and just pray. Father God, thank you for the prayers that have already been lifted up in this service. Uh, you're present. You're present in this room right now. You're present at the time that anyone is, is participating in this service online. You're working. In, in this uncommon time where people are looking to answers, the reality is that that, Lord, I do pray you give wisdom to the healthcare workers and those who are seeking out uh, uh, medicines and, and, and just ways, Lord, to, to overcome this virus that way. But, Lord, we thank you that you have already given us the victory, that we're victorious in you, that you're present, that you're working. You're working here. You're, you're working in the homes of the people who are participating in this. You're working in their lives. You're working with our mission partners Throughout the world, this pandemic is, has impacted literally uh, over 120-some countries. And, and so, God, we just pray you continue to work. Work in us, your church. Help us seek the opportunities, the challenges before us. Let us, let us know that our mission hasn't changed, but our, our strategies will differ. And, and, God, just continue to work in and through us as we, your church, put ourselves in your hands and literally share your love and message with those around us in very unique and creative ways. And we give you the praise for what you're doing. And Lord, pray that as we look at this message, your word to us, that Lord, we understand your Bible is living and active. And so may it be a living and active as we enter into it together. In Christ's name, amen. We're in our third week in our four-week series. Um, we're calling Serenity. 
Uh, and what a timely message. I mean, this idea of having true inner peace, if there was ever a time uh, to share on it, it would be now. Now, that's a message for every day, no matter what the time, but certainly in our present circumstances, it makes sense to, to look at this idea of, of peace, this idea of peace. Now, we've been looking at four steps that come out of the 12-step studies done in, in Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a ministry of crosswinds. It happens on our Canandaigua campus weekly, usually on Friday nights. Now, our campus is closed, and so there's a prayer request, but those who regularly meet aren't able to meet right now, but we're still praying that these steps will, will, will be working in their life. Now, the steps we're looking at are, are not made up. They're not from pipe psychology. They're not sort of a CR thing. They're biblical that there's steps in which the scripture teaches us that if we were to enter into them, that would allow us to enter into the peace of God. Every single one of us, probably every day, but certainly this past week, has asked for God, just give me peace. We all desire serenity. We, 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 we really do. We live in a world defined by confusion and disorder, chaos, now more than ever. Even in our inner world, we wrestle with the past hurts and the unhealthy habits and the destructive hang-ups, leaving our souls really in trouble. Now, we don't have to remain in that place of chaos. We don't have to remain in that place of pain. We don't have to remain in, in, that, in that disruption in our inner spirit because God calls us to a life with him that gives us a way of, of entering into his peace. In Christ, we discover this peace and gratitude and freedom and blessing. And it only comes through his divine intervention. It's impossible in this world to, to not face pain, to not deal with hardships. And many in our community, many in our country, many throughout the world, or understanding unique hardships at this time. But the good news is that in Christ, we can find hope, healing, and yes, peace. One of the steps, one of the steps that the Lord has presented to us in his word that allows us to embrace godly transformation that leads to peace. In fact, to have peace, we need to embrace godly transformation. Now, the life change is, is not something that we just sort of self-will. We don't make ourselves transformed. What happens is, as we give our lives to Jesus and to his care and control, he leads us in the path of transformation. In fact, when we speak of biblical transformation, we're talking about a change or renewal from a life that no longer conforms to the ways of the world but pleases God. We're not conformed any longer into the mold of the world. We're renewed in such a way that we can walk with Jesus. This change, this biblical transformation is, is accomplished by the renewing of the way that we think. It's a metamorphosis of sorts where there's an inward spiritual transformation that, that's really evidenced with being able to display Christ's character, Christ's motives, to be not just washed over with the love of God, but being given the power and leading to share Christ's love 
to those around us. Transformation involves those who once were far from God, but through Jesus Christ have been brought into a right relationship with the Father. And through Christ's finished work on the the cross, have been renewed. Godly transformation is only possible in the life of the Christian. Further, it's only possible in a Christ follower who, who recognizes that God is the source. He's the one that changes us. And that by the working of the Holy Spirit, when we surrender our, the care and control of our life to him, he does this amazing work. Now, Paul writing of such an experience, this is, this is his words to the church in Galatia, Galatians 2.20. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version uh, because I believe he gets us a fuller picture of the original uh, writing, Galatians 2.20. Paul writes this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, that is, in him have shared his crucifixion. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. What's Paul declaring? He's saying that the old self, the person he was before he came to Christ, is now dead, and there's this new self. He says this new self represents the fact that he's living in Christ. He says, rather... Christ is actually living in him, but that the power of God is at work in his life. Accordingly, then, the more that that Christ's truth is known by a believer, in other words, the more we know about God through his word and and walking with him, uh, the more the power of the Holy Spirit allows the believer to become more and more and more like Jesus. It's the spirit who, as we rely on him, controls our lives and cleanses us from anything contrary to the things of God and empowers us to walk more and more like Jesus. I've often said this, and maybe you've heard me say it. I know, and I confess before you, I know I'm not what I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. Like the Lord is at work in me every day, making me more and more like Jesus. This occurs as I yield control of my life to Jesus. And and that's why if we we jump back a couple of weeks, the first week of the series, I I said that every day we need our Savior. And and I did, I I clarified it. I said, no, that doesn't mean that every day we get re-saved, right? When we come to Jesus and and, and confess our belief and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are, as we say in, in Christianity, we're saved. We're, we're made in a right relationship with God. And from that point forward, we can be confident that we're secure in his hands, that we're his. But it's not like we say yes to Jesus, then sort of walk away from the need of his power in our life. No, no, no. Every day. We need the work of our Savior in us, his power, his leading, yes, his peace. And then a couple of weeks after, we, we, we looked at this fact in week two that not only do we need our Savior every day, 
but we also need to work out our salvation every day. Now, again, that doesn't mean that every day we get, we get resaved, so to speak. When we're in Christ, we're in Christ. It's not an act of fear. What does it mean then to work out our salvation? It means that every day we prayerfully ask the question, what does it mean to display faith today? What does it mean to walk with God today? And what does it mean to nurture our relationship with God today? Every day. We need to work out our salvation. Every day we need a savior, the power and leading and peace of God in our life. And every day we need to work out our salvation, uh, asking the question and walking in the leading uh, of what does it mean to express our faith and nurture our relationship with God. And this is really what it means to embrace godly transformation. Embracing godly transformation begins with knowing and walking in the truth of the gospel. Through the gospel message, we learn, listen to Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, that we are to put off our old self, which belongs to our former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And we are to be renewed in the spirit with our minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The gospel teaches us that by the grace of God, by his profound love, we're to put off the old self, the person we were before we came to Jesus, the person controlled by sin. And in Christ, we're transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're able to put on the new self. Now think about that. It It means that we feed that part of us which honors God. We do those things through the power of the Spirit that allows us to become more and more and more like Jesus while we starve the things in our life that would feed that old self, the old patterns, the old habits. Our new self is achieved not by merely our own effort, willing ourselves to do it, but but is created by God. In other words, we we discover that we're not really self-sufficient, We are sufficient because of God's sufficiency. And he does this work within us as we partner with him, but allows us again to reflect Christ's character, his motives, and his love more and more and more. Just before the apostle Peter's death, he provided these specific instructions on how to really live out this transformed life. In 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, I'm just gonna sort of give us a summary here. But he writes, his divine power, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, embracing godly transformation continues as we proceed to walk in the truth of the gospel. We come to believe the gospel. We receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, walk in the gospel truth. And so Peter writes of the qualities of such a life in 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 7. Listen to his words. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. In virtue with knowledge, 
And knowledge was self-control, and, and self-control was steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. He's writing that as we walk with Christ, but the very spirit of God allows our faith to give us feet to what we say we believe, that we begin to become more and more like Jesus. It's a process. But as we embrace biblical transformation, it doesn't just mean that we accept that the gospel is true. It means that we allow the gospel, you've heard me say this before, as we seek to master God's word, we let it master us. And so we allow the gospel to direct our path through the power of God's spirit. Because God's promised power is a present reality, we must diligently then grow as Christians by cultivating our souls. Think about that. It's by God's power that we're transformed, but it's every believer's responsibility. Let me say it again. It's by God's power that we're transformed, but it's every believer's responsibility, yours and mine, our responsibility to make sure that the soil of our soul is prepared for growing godly fruit. Now, how do we cultivate the soil of our soul? Well, I want to share with you an acronym uh, that I came across that helps position us for spiritual growth. The acronym comes from the word growth, G-R-O-W-T-H, growth. And the G stands for go daily, go to God daily in prayer. Now, we should be going to God daily in prayer no matter what. But my guess is, is that there are some people praying today that maybe have never prayed in their life. I'm guessing throughout the world, but there's this maybe openness like never before to say, God, if you're there, reveal yourself to me. But how more then, how more so as believers, should we be going daily to God in prayer, not just in these difficult season, but every day anyway? Think about it. The creator of the universe invites us, invites us, to spend time conversing with him. The R, read the Bible daily. Be in God's word. If you've never read through the Bible before, start in the gospels. In fact, if, if you've never actually read through a book of scripture, let me encourage you, start with the book of Mark. Mark has been called the action gospel. It's short, it's concise. It's a great way to be introduced to Jesus and, and who he is and, and what he wants to do in and through you, his mission for the world. But as we're inundated with so much news, changing news, can I just challenge us to filter it through the good news? O means obey God. We pray, we read God's word, and we obey. We walk in its truth. And, and the W stands for witness to your faith. Be a witness to your faith. I have been so encouraged by seeing how the church is being the church through people who are part of our Crosswinds family. I've heard story after story of how people have been able to pray with each other through FaceTime and, 
phone calls and text prayers and just finding creative ways to, to connect with people and pray for them and encourage them. I've, I've heard stories of people who have gone shopping for those who can't go shopping on their own or shouldn't because of health concerns. And they're going to the store and dealing with the madness and, and coming back and bringing those groceries, practicing social distancing, but, but caring for their physical need. I've heard stories of, of, of families who, who have babies and they have extra diapers, which, you know, that's a miracle of itself if you have extra diapers, but, but is willing to generously share those diapers with people they've heard about who don't have them. Are connecting them to, to our community ministries like CareNet who, who provides diapers and wipes. And I don't know if you've been to the store lately. Uh, if you haven't, good for you. But if you have, I mean, uh, diapers and wipes and yes, toilet paper. What's going on there? Toilet paper cleared off the shelf. Who would have thought that one of the most generous things you could do in 2020 is to give your neighbor a roll of toilet paper? But God is using his church in creative ways. It's in time of disruption that God gives us opportunities. Again, our mission hasn't changed, but our strategies need to. The T stands for trust God. Wow. In the midst of all this uncertainty, I'm so thankful we serve a steadfast, faithful, loving, triumphant God. And we can trust him. And then the H is have the Holy Spirit lead you. So go to God daily in prayer, read the Bible daily, obey God, witness to your faith, trust God, and have the Holy Spirit lead you. See, God brings us spiritual growth. He's the one that does it, but, but we're responsible to really tend to our soul, to till it, to make it ready to receive what God has for us. See, I don't know about you, but I know that for many of us, our history, my history, may reflect a lifetime of attempting sort of transformation on my own. However, again, transformation is a lifelong journey where day after day after day, I surrender control of my life to the Spirit. And he grows me day after day after day, more and more, like Jesus. Now, I've asked a friend of mine, Beth Yalski, if she would come and share her testimony. She's going to share a bit of her story and also encourage us by her embracing of godly transformation. So I'm asking Beth to come up and, and just, as she does, be prepared to hear how the power of God has worked in Beth's life. Beth, share with us. Uh, as Pastor Craig said, my name is Beth. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I celebrate recovery from depression, anxiety, sexual addiction, and pornography addiction. When I started in Celebrate Recovery, I was full of fear, shame, depression, and anxiety. I was struggling so much that for weeks, I wouldn't share anything in Celebrate Recovery. I wouldn't even talk to people. I sat alone, and I left as soon as I could. When I started in Celebrate Recovery, the thought of sharing my story made me sick. Today, I want to share with you how I ended up in such a dark place, how God has transformed my life so that I could stand before you today, and how he can do that for you as well. I grew up in a home that from the outside appeared to be a loving, happy family. No one knew what it was actually like inside my house. Part of the reason for that was because no one was allowed close enough. 
Another part was because we went to church for as long as I can remember. At church, we acted like we were part of a perfect family. Inside of the walls of our house, there was near constant abuse, however. Emotional, physical, sexual, and verbal abuse were never in short supply. Due to the abuse, there were several beliefs that I formed from a very young age. First, everything that went wrong was my fault. My father blamed me for things even if I had nothing to do with them. Then as a teen, I began to take the blame in order to protect my siblings from my father's rage. Next, I was unwanted. My parents made a point of telling us just how they felt about having kids. They never wanted them. It's just what happened when my father was laid off from work. Then there was a belief that I was not enough. Pretty enough, good enough, worth enough. This began in elementary school. My family never had a lot of money or a lot of things. I rarely had new clothes or toys. That meant I was not popular. I spent much of my school years being bullied by my peers. But it wasn't just my peers who did this. I had teachers who did the same. This belief and many more led to deep depression, self-harm, and self-hatred, as well as fear and anxiety. After high school, I went to a college where I thought all of my struggles would go away. At first, I loved college. The classes, the friends, the activities, all made me finally feel better about myself. However, two weeks into my sophomore year of college, everything changed. I watched a close friend commit suicide. This was not the first or last experience with suicide or attempted suicide. See, my father had attempted suicide the summer before I left for college. I was diagnosed at that time with PTSD from my friend's death. At this point, depression, fear, and anxiety took hold again. Just after the end of my spring semester of my sophomore year, I found out that my college basketball coach had committed suicide. Since that time, I have had several more people who have close to me commit suicide. I've struggled at many times myself with these thoughts. After college, I got married. That, this would last less than three years before he decided he was done with marriage. Part of me was glad he was gone as the marriage to him was as abusive as my childhood. However, for, most, for the most part, I slipped back into depression, feelings of worthlessness, among other things. With these feelings, I set out to prove I was lovable. For me, this meant the next 10 years plus were filled with unhealthy relationships and seeing men as objects to be used to prove I was enough. I was not only fast becoming addicted to this, but developed another addiction as well. While I thought it was a new addiction, it was actually something that I was introduced to at the age five or six by my father. In the midst of all of this, I was living uh, near Albany and attending a church. From the front of the church, the pastor said, pornography is a man's addiction, not something women deal with. Since that was one addiction that I was struggling with, I began to feel more guilt, shame, and fear on top of the beliefs that I had developed as a child. 
So with all of this baggage, I entered Celebrate Recovery for the first time. At first, I struggled to share what it was I had been struggling with. After some time, I opened up to a few people. Soon after Celebrate Recovery, starting Celebrate Recovery, I heard the song, Good, Good Father. I asked God to please show me that he was, in fact, good. For so long, I believed he loved and cared for everyone except for me. After a few months of participating in Celebrate Recovery, I decided to enter a step study. I thought for sure I would be rejected when people heard my story, but I only found love and acceptance. It was there that I was able to begin to lay down the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that I had been consumed with for so long. I learned that I am loved and forgiven. I have been able to forgive those who have hurt and abused me. Since working through the steps of CR, I have found more joy, peace, and love for life than I have ever dreamed possible. I've become a leader in Celebrate Recovery, and I share my experiences and use them to try to help and encourage others. I've written the children's book, which I will ho hope will encourage young girls that they are loved no matter what. So how can you experience such peace and transformation in your own life? First of all, embrace all of Celebrate Recovery's principle two, which says, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. I say embrace all of it, because it's easy for me to say God existed, but it was very difficult for me to believe that I personally mattered to him. This is where my transformation began. I asked God to show me who he was, and he did. Spend time in his word. Pray. He will show you his faithfulness and his love for you. He has a purpose and a plan for you as well as for me. Secondly, I would say, Find someone you can trust. Pray with that person. Be honest and share your struggles. Be accountable to that person. You can't transform or change on your own. I am proof you need others, and most of all, you need God. You may not see it now, but you can transform from the broken person you are to the one God has planned you to be. Thank you for letting me share. Beth, thank you very much. What a powerful testimony. Uh, I've said this the last couple of weeks, but it's worth uh, saying again that, that the scripture tells us in Revelation that the enemy's defeated by the blood of the lamb and a word of our testimony. That as we hear Beth share such a powerful experience and, and realize that the transformation comes from the fact that she has embraced godly transformation as something possible in her life, therefore it's happening. Uh, that she's found this peace that God has for her. Now, that's something we, we rediscover every day anew as we walk with God. But, but this idea of testimony is what God has done in the life of one, he can do in another. And so I want to encourage you that as you're processing through this embracing godly transformation and, and receiving the peace of God, that, that it's God who brings the spiritual growth. That, that you're not doing the heavy lifting yourself. God has done the heavy lifting. What he does is call us to partner with him and tending the soil of our souls. We, we must believe that not only does God invite us to be transformed, but by his willingness, he, he will complete it. He'll complete it. 
that it's not about us becoming self-sufficient. It's about us being sufficient because of God's sufficiency. But this is the life that God calls us into with him. So let me encourage you. Whatever the spirit is calling you to, that very next step, won't you take it? Let me encourage you to embrace godly transformation. I'm amazed that that when God wanted to demonstrate his love for us, he didn't just shout it from heaven. He demonstrated it by coming to earth. Jesus sending his son to die on the cross for our sins and be resurrected for our salvation, for mine, for each and every one of you. Let, Let me encourage you that spiritual transformation it is, is a partnership where we, we believe. We believe in who God is. We believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior. We, we believe the gospel. But we don't just believe we receive Jesus into our life. We literally receive him as the Lord and Savior because we need a Savior every day. We need his power, his leading, his peace. And we don't just say yes to Jesus and just go on our own way. We, we work out our salvation every day by praying every morning. Lord, what does it mean to demonstrate faith today? What does it mean to nurture my relationship with God today? And then we embrace this journey of transformation. Going from the person we were without Christ into the person he created us to be filled with this peace and not just filled with this peace so that we can have it, filled with this peace so we can share it with those around us. Oh, church, is a great opportunity this morning, a great opportunity today to enter into that peace by receiving Christ as Lord and Savior, by continuing to allow that peace to grow, as the scripture says, as we, as we trust him, prayerfully trust him, so that his peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. To a world that's crying out for peace, God is the answer. When we believe and receive and walk with him through the power of the Spirit. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity to explore your word, to hear from the testimonies and teachings of what you did in the life of a man named Paul and and Peter, for the works, Lord God, that you did in churches in Ephesus and Galatia. Thank you for allowing us to hear the testimony, Beth's testimony. Be reminded that our enemies defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. But it's so easy to believe We are who others say about us. We believe uh, the lies that we even tell ourselves. But Lord, would you take us to that place where we can believe what you say about us? For you're a God who didn't just cry out, you love us. You demonstrated us, demonstrated it for us. You died on the cross for our sins, resurrected for our salvation. Jesus ascended to the Father. He invites us to live this ascended life in him. What does that mean? It means a life where we experience the power and leading and peace of God every day. 
Whereas we work at our salvation, we learn what it means to walk in faith every day, nurturing our relationship with you as we embrace, as we embrace this transformation that only you can do in us. We need to be prepared and open. Your spirit does the heavy lifting, creating us anew in you. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray that, Lord God, you replace our fear with faith, that, that Lord, you would, you would help us remember that our mission hasn't changed, but, Lord, that you would help us realize what the, what the new strategies are of, 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 of making you known. What does it look like of taking some time in this isolation to, to, to pray, to, to, to read your word, to learn what it means to obey? To, to really demonstrate our faith, God. To bring peace into the chaos. Grow us up in you. Thank you for loving us so extravagantly. In Jesus' name.